Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, ancient, A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Eddie, welcome to the cave. Hey, Elias, thanks for having me in the cave. How cool is that for a title? <laughs> the cave. Exciting time for you these days, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a surreal feeling um, because I'm normally not used to being the subject of the thing. But yeah, it is exciting, actually. Yeah. So if the whoever's tuning in, the viewers and the listeners, you know, you had a big um, documentary, I guess, on Disney Plus called uh, Stuntman, which we'll dive into that in a little bit. But uh, like... You've been doing this for a very long time. Probably too long. <laughs> since the early 80s, around there? Yeah, since the, the early 80s. I got yeah. in, uh, I was 17 years old when I started, uh, when I became a professional stuntman. Yeah. How do you like, so like, how did you fall into that? <laughs> I fell like, into what, it. Like, like, what made you get into it? Well, listen, it all, for, for me, it all started with meeting Evil Knievel. I met him as a, as a child. And wow. I mean, everybody wanted to be like Evil Knievel. Come on, the guy wore a cape. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he was a, a rock star from Mars incarnate. Uh, but it, every kid wanted to be like Evil Knievel, including myself. So, uh, in fact, my first injury was uh, I took after meeting him, I took my little Schwinn Stingray bicycle, tried to jump a bunch of trash cans and I broke my arm really bad. But, you know, on the way to the hospital in the ambulance, I was happy as could be because I was like evil Knievel. <laughs> what did your parents think of all this at the beginning? They, when you They just thought it was nuts. I mean, my poor mom. Uh, anyways, that transfer from, from doing wild, stupid things as a kid uh, after meeting evil Knievel, then uh, at uh, 17 years old, I was lucky enough to meet some people that were in the film business. They were mm-hmm. stuntmen. And they knew my love of, you know, riding bicycles, motorcycles and stuff. And they said, listen, if you want to come help out, it's kind of like becoming a stuntman. You don't just apply and become one. It's kind of an apprenticeship program. Yeah. Someone takes you under their wing. And we used to call it back then as peckerneck tech. You had <laughs> to go. You were a peckerneck. And you, all you did, you didn't say anything. You just did what you were told. And it was usually the, the grunt work. And sooner or later, they'd let you into the NFL. Um, and that's how it was for me. First couple of years, you know, a bunch of grunt work. Uh, they threw me a couple of bones. You know, I did a couple of stunts on shows. And at that time, it was the early 80s. It was what I call the heyday of cheesy TV action shows. You know, there was BJ and the Bear, Hardcastle McCormick, Simon and Simon, The Fall Guy, Dukes of Hazard. I mean, any number of one of those shows were happening at that time. And as a young uh, stunt person, uh, if you did what you were told and you got lucky and were at the right place at the right time, mm. you would get connected with these people, which I was wow. fortunate to. You mentioned all those old shows. How much has the industry for like your profession changed from then and now? Oh, God, it, it has changed dramatically, dramatically. Now it's run by... Uh, now the stuff is computer CGI, computer generated images. It's run. Uh, the business is run by attorneys and corporations, and it's not like it used to be. Uh, and I'm fortunate I got to see how it used to be. I mean, it, back then the old guys 
stunt guys would say, here, take a shot at Jack Daniels and drive that car as fast <laughs> as you can and keep your mouth shut. Uh, nowadays, it's not like that at all. I mean, one one should see if, if they love action and stuntmen, how they used to be. There's a movie called Hooper with Burt Reynolds. And that's what it used to be like. And wow. I'm glad I got it to see and be in that environment. You said you mentioned that, you know, the beginning, it was just like, you know, you were doing little things. Like, what was your first big stunt movie film? And which was, what was it? And what, what did you do? Big, first big stunt, uh, a gentleman named Paul Knuckles was running a show that just started out back then called Chips. Up okay. to California Highway Patrol Office. Yeah. And Paul Knuckles uh, threw me a bone. I'd hung around those guys there and cleaned up, you know, moved mats and whatnot. And they put me, uh, one of the first stunts was on a bicycle, uh, getting hit by a car on, on chips. And that led to the guys that were working on chips were doing other shows. And before I knew it, I was working for another gentleman on a, a show called Dukes of Hazard, which was a big action show. And that led to The Fall Guy and so on and so on. It, it was basically, and it still kind of is a business of reputation. It's a very closed knit type of business. And, and you... You survive by your reputation, more or less. What what, what goes through your head before you do before you attempt a stunt like uh, you know back then and uh, like like how like how do you study it before you decide? Okay, I know I'm going to do this the way you're going to do it. And what goes through your mind? Like any fear well, sometimes? Yeah, a lot, first of all, I'll say a lot of fear. I'm I'm not an adrenaline junkie, and I'm not this big macho. I'm scared of all sorts of things, and, and scared of heights, scared of spiders, scared of everything. The point is, there's nothing wrong with being scared. Everybody gets scared. It's how one deals with their fear that defines them as a person. I mean, I've always said, be maverick, not goose, or, uh, you know, not cougar, be maverick. No, I, you rely, as a stunt performer, you rely on the men and women around you for support, for advice, for no one stunt man or woman does a stunt truly by themselves they are there they're part of a team and 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 you use as much information and um knowledge and experience to that stunt so any particular stunt uh you don't just go at it like hold my beer and we'll see what happens <laughs> it, it, yeah. no i mean therein lies the difference between a daredevil and a professional yeah. stuntman you know daredevil first of all they usually glorify themselves and they're not sure what's going to happen. It's like, hold my beard and we'll find out. A stunt per performer, you never hear, you never see their faces. You never hear their name. Uh, they're part of a team. And, and I like it like that. And I rely on that. I always say I surround myself with people a lot more, a lot smarter than I am. And that's how I get through my stunts. When, you, when, you, when you're filming a movie or a TV show and you're about to do a stunt, like how how long does it take you to, like, to prepare and study it before you, for the final one? Well, usually on a film or a TV show, you go through a, a phase you call prep. Mm. You do your homework, basically. You, you, everything from looking at the location to talking to other people that have done similar stunts to, you just do your homework. You don't show up on the day and say, well, we'll give this a shot and see what happens. That would be yeah. irresponsible. Not only would it be irresponsible, I said, now the business is kind of run by attorneys and litigators. Yeah. No one's going to sign off. No attorney, no bonding company or insurance is going to sign off on someone just going out there and winging it. 
So there's a lot of homework that comes in. That's usually all done in prep. What do you tell uh, other fellow like stuntmen that want to get into the business? How do you prep them? Like, what do you tell them? What what my advice to them is? Yeah. Honestly, I say, go find another line of work because the art of a stunt person, a stunt man or stunt woman, it's a dying art form. You're, it's it's being squeezed out by two things from two angles. One end, you have attorneys and litigators that don't want to sign off on anything. Studios don't want to take a chance. And from the other end, you're being squeezed out by computers, computer-generated imagery. So the art form of a stunt person is a, a rather dying art form. It really is. It's narrowing down exponentially with time. So I say, go find something else to do because it's a it's a very hard uh, business to get into. Uh, when I was doing some research on you, I saw that you've done a lot of like uh, work for like Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah, one of my stunts. best friends. No, yeah. he, I've doubled Charlie for over thirty years. He's just wow. such, a, such an uber cool guy, and and yeah, he's one of my dearest friends. I love Charlie. So the, the one picture that I saw was for Major League. And I was like, that's like one of my favorite baseball movies. So like, I've, I've been trying to go back to see like, what did you do for him in that movie? Well, there was a, first of all, there's a lot of stunts in those movies, whether it was doubling Charlie or any of the other characters or people okay. crashing into Bill. I mean, there was all kinds of things. Yeah. But you got to understand too, Charlie, who who is a naturally a brilliant ball player. He, I think, had he not been an actor, he, he'd have been playing pro ball. He's really... Uh, he really brings it. But, you know, when you're out there in the middle of the night in Camden Yards throwing, uh, throwing balls hour after hour, take after take, anybody is going to wear out. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'd go out there in the middle of the night, Camden Yards, and have to throw baseballs for Charlie, things like that. You just wow. Because you have to repeat it so many times. I mean, you know, any great pitcher is going to throw some heat right away. Yeah. But pretty soon they have a rubber arm. How did, did, you, did you ever play baseball when you were young? How was like yeah, the pitching yeah, I, I yeah. did. I did. And, but I played a lot, believe it or not, over the line with Charlie and the guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Charlie loves baseball and we would play any chance we would get. We'd get a game of overline or something going. We, uh, we did a film once uh, in Texas called The Rookie. Okay. And during the days we were working, but Charlie rented out the Astrodome and at oh. night, in the middle of the night, we would gather crew people, whatever. We'd go out and play over the line and stuff in the middle of the night in the Houston Astrodome. It was That's great. awesome. Yeah, so we play wherever. But I wouldn't call myself a baseball player like Charlie is, but I know enough about it to where, yeah. you know, I could swing a bat pretty good and I can throw a ball pretty good. Before we jump into your documentary, uh, out of all the movies and TVs that you have worked, what's been like your top-notch favorite that to this day – you're like, yes, like that, that was the, my favorite day. Well, yeah, there's, like, the, there's three movies to me that okay. if, if anybody, if for my self-fulfillment, they were the yeah. coolest movies. One is called Navy Seals with Charlie okay. Sheen. Yeah. I had a blast on that show. I got to do some of the wildest things. I was around some of the coolest people. We had actual Navy Seals uh, with us that were advisors and stuff, and, and we used them as stuntmen. So Navy SEALs was a blast and a fun time. So that's one that sticks out. Um, Another one that I really loved working on, I'm very proud of, is called The Town. Uh, Ben Affleck directed it. 
And I wouldn't say call it an action movie per se. It's more of a, a drama, but we did some cool stuff on that. And Ben had us doing some great cart car scenes. I got to be a nun and do car. I got to okay, be a I remember that scene. Me. If you yeah. watch this, I'm very proud of the town. And and one of the little trivial things in there is at the end of the town, uh, Ben goes, hey, why don't you be one of the cops that shoots and kills Jeremy Renner? So at the very end, I, I play myself. I'm a cop and I get in a gunfight with Jeremy Renner okay. and I kill him. So that was wow. a little hidden. Uh, That's awesome. Tool. So the town I'm proud of. And then I'd say on the top, top of my list is a movie I did with Clint Eastwood directing. And he also co-starred in it with Charlie. It's called The Rookie. Oh, yeah. Every day I got to work with Clint Eastwood as the director for months. And right. just being around him exudes just cool. You know, mm. so The Rookie was a, a, a fun time for me as well. So those, those are my, then there's other ones. You know, I doubled yeah. Mick Jagger in a movie uh, years ago called Free Jack with uh, Charlie's brother, Emilio Estevez. And Mick Jagger played a bad guy and I got to double him. And that was really cool. You know, you're doubling Mick Jagger. How cool the, does he get for that? Right, right. <laughs> so there's, a, you know, there's experience, but I, I would definitely say Navy Seals, The Rookie and The Town are some of my top movies that I've been proud to be a small part of. So now you had a documentary, Stuntman at Disney Plus. Like this was a project from 2016. Well, if, it, you right. know, if you look at it, this has been a, a, a project in the making since I entered the film business. I've always been a guy filming stuff. In fact, people yeah. joking and say, oh yeah, here comes Eddie with his camera. I just film <laughs> stupid stuff. Yeah. So I have boxes and boxes and boxes of VHS cassettes on the set of just dumb stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we never, I never set out, we never set out to make a movie about me. Originally, I was gonna, I wanted to do this jump to pay homage to the, the guy that inspired me in the first book, Evil Knievel. Yeah. It was only after we started getting into this that we said, wait a minute, we got all this footage, plus going through all my boxes, all the archival footage, that it became that our director, Kurt Matilla, that guy's a rock star because anybody that can make a watchable movie out of me, that guy it deserves everything credit. Um, so we did the jump, we documented it. We cut it all together and we ended up with a, a movie that I am very, very proud of. I mean, I can't tell you whether it's good or bad because it's about me, but I can tell you I'm very proud of it. Every frame of it. I'm very proud. So, so you, back then when it was filmed, like was the, was the plan like a movie release? Like, what did it go? Because how did it end up at, well, like, on Disney Plus? No, you, you'd have to see. Well, first of all, one of the main reasons that anybody is going to see this is, and one of the reasons that we got supported is The Rock. Dwayne John, Mr. Dwayne Johnson. That guy is awesome. Uh, he, when he got wind of the fact I was going to do a rocket you know, I was going to attempt this. He yeah. wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to host it, whether it was going to be a live event. He just wanted in. Right. And so originally I was going to do this for Fox as a, as a TV special that oh, was wow. going to air during like uh, the World Series. They were going to put it in there with the World Series. And The Rock is like, I'm all in, dude. Whatever. I want to host <laughs> it. Uh, this is the coolest thing. Uh, the Rock's always been a huge supporter of stunt professionals. So... Originally, this was going to start out as a Fox TV special 
live event with within the World Series. Mm. Um, but, but you'll see in the film that didn't quite turn out that way. However, I was committed to, to doing this attempt, whether it was going to be a TV special or whether this was going to be a home movie that I was going to hand out to my buddies at Christmas. I mean, I was going to do this once I was yeah. committed. Fortunately, uh, once the studios all passed or did whatever they did, The Rock still, that's hey, it's a good thing he's called The Rock because he he is a rock. He is uh, he personifies class and he, he wanted to be a part of it no matter what. Um, when he saw that I, I did it and when he saw what we cut together as a film, he said, I want to I want to be very much part of it. And he became the executive producer Oh, wow. of our film stuntman and due to the rock and his his company seven bucks productions the rock and his partner danny garcia they said we have a movie here we're proud of and that's how it got to disney and disney felt that it was a good enough movie that they wanted to uh put it on their platform disney plus and and that's how it became how did how did you decide that's the that's the stunt you wanted to attempt well there were several i've always had the, the mindset you never want to be the last guy at a party okay. right you always want to leave the party while it's still good you don't want to be yeah. ushered out at the end well as a stunt performer i've been doing this a very very long time and i've done a lot of stunts more than my fair share of stunts i i kind of wanted to figure out a way to gracefully transition out of stunts and into producing. You know, I didn't want to be asked to leave the party. I wanted to leave on my own terms. Part of that was I also wanted to pay homage to the, to the man that inspired me, which was Evil Knievel. Yeah. Along with that, I thought, you know, as a stunt man or a stunt woman, every stunt has been done pretty much. You know, it's just variations, car stunts, horse yeah. stunts, whatever the opportunity to do a stunt that no one else has ever done and no one else will probably ever do that's that's rare mm. so between that opportunity between wanting to gracefully transition out of a stuntman also a way to pay homage to the man that inspired me evil Knievel, i thought wow i think i can actually pull off the jump I really believe with my stunt experience and the knowledge and the people I surround myself with, I think I can do this and actually survive to which, you know, you'll have to see the end result on uh, Disney right. plus. Oh, but I I'm very proud of the fact that I tried it. I'm very proud of the fact that to me, that was the best way that I could pay homage to evil Knievel and as far as my stunt career, you know, I can't think of anything else that I'm going to do stunt wise that is going to kind of top what I've already done. It's kind of like a mic drop for me personal. So it so, fit all of those things. Yeah. How long were you in the area for while you were filming this? Like pretty much in, like in Idaho. In the area of Idaho? Yeah. Oh, it, it required. Uh, okay. I came up with this whole idea in September of 2013. So yeah. that's when I, over a bunch of early morning coffee at Starbucks, yeah. that's where I kind of formulated this audacious plan. Yeah. So in order, and, and listen, anytime you're going to build a rocket, climb in it and fly it, there's yeah. a lot of hoops you got to jump through. So September of 2013 is when I started it. 
by the time I actually launched the rocket was again, September of 2016. So it took three years just for the rocket part of it, to build it, to get permits, to talk people into the fact that I wasn't some crazy nutcase, but I actually wanted it. So, so from 2013 to 2016, three years to do the rocket. Once I did the rocket successfully and we said, Hey, we got all this footage from 2016 to 2018. So another two years to assemble a movie that Mm. Kurt, Kurt put this thing together that was watchable from 2018 to 2021, you know, three years so a total of about eight wow. years from beginning to that's a lot yeah a very wow. long time uh longer than i would have ever wanted to longer than i ever anticipated it but you know at a certain point you reach a point where you're there's no turning back i mean mm. i never knew the o- outcome was going to be as epic as having dwayne johnson as my executive producer and, right. and having disney think it good enough to put on their platform i mean they put it out to over 60 countries and 200 million people. I thought it was just going to be a home movie at the end of the day that I give to my buddies and say, look, yeah. look at what I did. Yeah. Um, for the, for the, for, for the rocket, like how, like who started like coming up with the idea how you wanted the rocket to look like, was that you? <laughs> I was lucky enough early on. I met a gentleman, Scott Truax. Yeah. Scott Truax is actually the son of the original builder, Bob Truax is the guy that built the rocket for Evil Knievel. Yeah. Bob Truax was a rocket scientist. He built this rocket. It was a flawless rocket, except there was a glitch and the parachute came out early. Uh, aside from that, it worked beautifully. Well, unfortunately, Bob Truax passed away. And even though he had a brilliant career, he was still known for this you know, famous failure of the rocket. So Scott, uh, Scott grew up, Scott's, you know, around my age, he grew up to be a fabricator. And here's the cool thing. He still had all his father's original blueprints, documents, and even spare parts, which (laughs) really blew me away. He just didn't have the finances or the wherewithal to, to do anything with this stuff. So I was lucky enough to, to meet up with him early on. And I said, listen, if I get you the money, can you build a rocket identical to he goes yeah i'll use spare parts it'll be identical to to the rocket see th- that's another thing that's re- i think is really cool you know nowadays with with carbon fiber and computers going across a gorge like that i mean guys in wingsuits do it it's not a not a really unusual feat however if you went back and did it with the technology and the things that you had in 1974 that makes it a little different, and which is what I did. The, the, mm. the rocket and everything were, were fit and finished pretty much identical uh, to Evil's rocket. So there was no computers involved in that sense. It was just manual. You know, the thing was put together in a garage with a bunch of duct tape and ball-peen hammers. <laughs> is, there, is there another stunt that you have an idea that you might want to try to do next? Yeah, I, I formed a, a production company with my partner, Steve Goldbiowski and Kurt Matilla, the director. We yeah. formed Driven Pictures. Okay. And my next stunt is, is crossing a bigger canyon. And that is okay. building a successful production company that people like want to see our stuff. 
and 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 stuntman is our first movie out of the gate so mm. yeah to me it'll be a challenge not a physical challenge yeah uh, but a challenge of, hey, listen building a a successful production company that that makes really cool movies that's no easy task um mm. which is another thing i'm really proud of my movie stuntman there's not one frame of computer enhanced computer generated imagery every stunt you see in there is real i mean it's as real as it gets and i'm a guy that i'm a real fan of real stuff i'm personally am fed up with these outlandish computer generated crazy action i mean it's all cool and it has its place i'm just not a fan of it i like i like authentic and i like real and that's what stuntman is it's it's real and we're going to make movies that are real. So if you're a fan of like authentic real, you, you might be a fan of go check out Stuntman. Uh, it's on Disney Plus. Go check it out. And, it, and if you like it, you know, send a message to Disney or send a message to The Rock and thanking them because they're the ones that, that made it possible that, you know, everybody gets to see it. I believe uh, whoever goes and watches, they'll like it. It was like I said, what I've seen so far, it's amazing. And you can well, tell the, you I, can tell how real it is. Well, I will it. say this, like I said before, for better or worse, I gave it my best. I mean, it's, I, I left it all on the field with this thing. So I'm proud of it. I'm proud that I gave it my all. And I, again, when you see it, um, you know, you be the judge. It's pretty real. What's been, what's been the reaction from like your family and close friends after watching it? Well, listen, I think I think all my close friends and everybody's going to say it's a good movie. They don't want to hurt yeah. my feelings. Yeah. Uh, so, again, I'm proud of it. Yeah. I guess the, the general reaction I've seen, though, is like Rotten Tomatoes. I looked and we got like 100 percent and I love tomatoes. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I guess the people will be the judge for themselves. I cannot. Yeah. Uh, all I can say is, is go see it I, and, and know that I tried really hard, yeah. even if you yeah. think the movie sucks. Just know I at least tried. Uh, Eddie, uh, lastly, uh, how can the listeners and the viewers find you on social media? Oh, I'm easily found. I'm a regular guy. I'm easily found. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Eddie Braun. Uh, I go under Crash for Cash, C-R-S-H for C-S-H, the number four. So I'm on Instagram, Crash for Cash. I'm on Facebook, Eddie Braun. I'm easily found. So if you see the movie and you don't like it, don't ask me for your money back because <laughs> I, I don't have it. But, uh, you know, yeah. I'm easily found. Eddie, man, this was great. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me in the cave. I, I, how can you not want to go on a show called The Cave? Right. You know? uh, thanks for having me. It's been great. And um, yeah, who knows? Hopefully our paths will cross again soon. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Until next time.